Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Here ends the Bible reading. Brill, well, it's great to see you all this morning. Um, keep that passage open. And uh, let's pray. We're told in 1 Corinthians that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And so, Father God, we thank you for the gift of the spirit, and we pray that he might help us to understand your word this morning. Amen. Well, this lunchtime, uh, we've got our belonging course for newcomers, uh, and one of the things that we love to do is to give people a bit of a sense of our history here at St. Joseph's. Uh, it's great, isn't it, to be able to look back at the last seven years uh, and give thanks to God for his work here at St. Joseph's. As we do that, it reminds us of God's faithfulness, uh, and it helps us to remember uh, why we're here as a church and where we're going. And in this series in the book of Acts, we have the great privilege of being able to see not just the history of our our little church here in Benwell, but the start of the worldwide church that we are a part of. And we get to see how it all began and how faithful God was then and still is today. It's a really exciting part of the Bible to look at. But before we get stuck into today's passage, I want you to imagine that you work uh, in Newcastle as part of a, uh, a small little business, maybe a, a little tech startup. Uh, and the owners of this business uh, decide to go on Dragon's Den. You might know the TV show where uh, people pitch their, their business before uh, investors uh, to see if they'll invest in the business. Uh, and after the pitch uh, of this small company that you work for and, and their product, uh, these great business brains get together uh, and they say, we're going to invest everything that we have in this business. We think this is going to go absolutely global. It's going to be in every country across the world. It's going to take the world by storm. It's been the next big thing. Forget Amazon and Google and Tesla. This is the next big thing. And your little team in Newcastle are going to lead it. You've got a bit of time before uh, they make the investment. 
how do you feel? I guess you'd, you'd be pretty excited, wouldn't you? Uh, but probably with lots of questions flying around your head. Uh, maybe a, a bit unsure about what it's going to be like. Uh, how are you going to cope with the, the new workload and demands? How it's going to affect your life? Uh, will you manage? Uh, will it really succeed? And while there are lots of differences, not least that the church isn't a business, uh, I wonder whether there might be some similarities there with how the early Christians felt as they waited for the Spirit. Back in Acts 1 verse 8, they had been told, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, They had been told not just by some wealthy investors, uh, but by the risen Son of God that this would happen. But they must have had lots of questions, mustn't they? Uh, how, How would they know when the Spirit had arrived? And how will they take the gospel to the ends of the earth? And would this small, motley crew that they were with really manage to do that? Would they have any impact? Especially now they've lost their leader, Jesus. But God gives them everything they need, doesn't he? He gives them the Holy Spirit. And we can take great confidence that we have that same spirit today. Uh, So have a look with me at uh, Acts 2 verse 1 uh, in your Bibles. Uh, It says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, If you're super observant, uh, you've noticed that uh, this week we're we're looking at the event of Pentecost itself. Uh, And then uh, next week, Ken's going to be digging more into Peter's speech, which really explains what this is all about. Uh, But what do we specifically see in the arrival of the Spirit? Well, we see unmistakable signs, don't we? Uh, I mean, they certainly didn't worry, need to worry about missing the arrival of the Spirit, did they? Uh, we're told that it happened suddenly. It was extraordinary. Uh, there's a sound like a mighty wind, and not actual wind, but something like that. Uh, there's divided tongues as of fire that appear to them and, and rest on each of them. And again, we're told it's not actual fire, but resembling fire. And they're suddenly able to speak in loads of different languages. Now, these unmistakable signs are supernatural. And this is no ordinary day in the history of the church. Now, these signs have great significance. Throughout the Bible, both uh, wind and fire were signs of God's presence with his people and his power. Fire uh, reminds us of the burning bush, doesn't it? Where God appeared to Moses... Uh, or of the pillar of fire in the desert uh, going ahead of the Israelites in the dark to tell them that God was with them. And in terms of wind, uh, well, the Old Testament Hebrew word ruach uh, means both wind and spirit. And there's a prophet Ezekiel's famous vision that you might know, uh, a vision of dry bones scattered across a valley. Uh, It's a bleak picture. Uh, And it's a picture of the Israelite people's spiritual state before God. Uh, They just keep turning their backs on him. It's a picture of what we're all like without God's spirit. Uh, We're spiritually dead. Uh, And Ezekiel uh, is asked, can these bones live? 
And he says to God, oh Lord God, you know. But we then see uh, the ruach, the, the winds, the spirits bring the bones to life. And the clear message is that the spirit brings life. Only the spirit brings life. But it wasn't just for the people back then. Uh, just before that very vision in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel is given an amazing promise by God. And God says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God promises that he is going to send the amazing gift of his spirit, a gift of a new heart and a new spirit that will enable his people to live for God. He's going to cleanse his people and change them from the inside out. Back in Old Testament times, God only gave his spirit to um, some people like kings or prophets. Uh, but God promises here that he will give his Holy Spirit to all people who trust him. Uh, and this gift will be joined with God's offer to wash his people clean. Uh, and here at Pentecost, uh, we see that amazing promise come true. Uh, we see God's faithfulness as the, the Spirit descends on the, prof- on the um, apostles with wind and with fire and, and empowers them for gospel ministry. Uh, It's a key moment in history. Not long before this, the Lord Jesus died on the cross and rose again, uh, enabling us to be washed clean, like this passage said, uh, and have a restored relationship with God. Uh, Another key moment in history. And so here at Pentecost, uh, we see God coming to dwell with his people by his Spirit. Uh, it's the birth of the church uh, and the creation of God's new spirit-filled people. Because of Jesus, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved uh, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The apostles weren't planning Pentecost. Uh, they probably had no idea what to expect. Uh, they didn't do anything special to make it happen. Uh, these events suddenly rushed on them. Uh, this was no ordinary day. It was a key moment in God's plan of redemption, and it was unmissable. If you go to the beaches in Normandy in France, uh, they might look fairly normal if you went today. Uh, But back on Tuesday the 6th of June, 1944, uh, they were covered in boats and men and tanks at D-Day. It was the largest seaborne invasion in history, it was a unique event that had repercussions right down to us uh, and brought us our freedom in many ways. Uh, and Pentecost was a unique event, uh, like the cross or like D-Day. Uh, so I don't think uh, these signs are something that we should expect to experience regularly in the church. Uh, there's a risk of putting too much emphasis on, on trying to receive demonstrations of power from the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it's not just history. Uh, We look back on it today with thankfulness because we can now enjoy the result of the Spirit being with us. Uh, We we receive the New Testament through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We have the Spirit changing our hearts as we read God's Word uh, and see what Jesus has done for us. 
that the Spirit is bringing people from death to life like those dead bones uh, as they repent and receive the good news of Jesus. And that's the greatest miracle there is. The Spirit gives different gifts to everyone in the church for us to um, build one another up uh, and so that we can have a fuller understanding of of Jesus uh, and become more like him ourselves. Uh, And the Spirit does so much more. But let's look at the result now of the Spirit's arrival on that day at Pentecost. Because at the exact moment that the Spirit arrives uh, in verse 4, the the church hardly even exists, does it? Uh, It hasn't gone anywhere yet. The the group of early believers is smaller than uh, the church family here in Benwell. And they're just sat in a room, uh, not really sure what to do with themselves other than to devote themselves to prayer. But the Spirit arrives, uh, and what is the immediate result of the Spirit's arrival? Uh, It's international reach for the gospel. Uh, We read read in verse 4 that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages or tongues. We're told, verse 6, that each person was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Chris Redfern, our mission partner out in Spain, is doing a great job learning Spanish after being there over the summer. He went out with very little Spanish, uh, but I'm told that uh, he's uh, already penciled in to lead the prayers in church one Sunday soon uh, in Spanish, which is great, isn't it? Uh, But he would say himself that he's miles away from being fluent still. But the early Christians speak in other languages instantly here. Uh, It was a work of God. The early Christians didn't happen to know lots of languages from traveling lots. Uh, They were Galileans. Uh, We're actually told elsewhere that Galileans had a reputation for being uncultured. Uh, That's why the people are so amazed. But when the Spirit arrives on them, they declare the mighty works of God to people from all over the world. Pentecost was the name of an annual festival at the time, a harvest festival, uh, which happened uh, 50 days after the Passover. Uh, Pentecostos means 50th. And it was a pilgrimage festival. So at this time, there were devout Jews coming from all over the the place uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, Think of an international conference these days with people coming from all over the world. Uh, But back then, it was a far bigger deal to travel, wasn't it? It took far longer. Uh, And yet, there were people in Jerusalem who'd come from Italy, Egypt, Libya, Crete. Uh, The list of places covers most of the first century Roman world. So on the day of Pentecost... Uh, There are people from all over the world ready to hear the gospel in their own languages and to take it back to where they came from. God's timing was perfect, as always. God is in control. Uh, God is faithful. Uh, Maybe that's a word and season for some of us today if we're struggling to understand God's timing. And if you know your Old Testament, uh, this gift of languages can't help but make us think of Babel. At Babel, humans proudly built a tower uh, to point to their own greatness uh, rather than God's. Uh, And so God confuses their languages uh, and the people are dispersed across the earth. 
But here we see a deliberate and dramatic reversal of the curse of Babel. Uh, rather than languages uh, being confused, the language barrier is, barrier is supernaturally overcome so that people can join together in declaring the mighty works of God. If you think about it, God could have done any miracle at Pentecost, couldn't he? But he chose to give them languages. Now why? Uh, well, because the good news of Jesus is for everyone. Luke repeatedly reminds us of how international the crowd was then. The Spirit's work is going to go global. And this is the start of it, uh, as they tell of God's mighty deeds in many different languages. Imagine if you'd been there in the crowd that day. I wonder how you would have responded to those events and to what they were saying. Uh, how do the people respond? So we'll have a look at verse 12. It says, All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Uh, even after these amazing works of God, not everyone believes. Some find a way to mock. Uh, we see again and again in the Bible that there's a mixed response to um, the gospel. We can either turn to Jesus and recognize who he is, uh, or we can turn away from him and mock him. And I wonder if you've ever been tempted to think, uh, wouldn't it be great to be a Christian back then, uh, when God was working in such unmistakable ways and, and people were turning to the gospel in such big numbers? Uh, but this is a helpful reminder, isn't it, that there will always be some who reject the gospel. In fact, in the next few chapters of Acts, uh, we see some of the early Christians arrested, put in prison, uh, someone even stoned to death uh, because of people's anger or rejection of the gospel. But we also see uh, the early Christians continuing to pray for boldness, even in, uh, even in the face of those difficulties, and they continue to speak with boldness uh, because they've seen God's faithfulness and they trust him and they know that they have the Spirit. And they have been given a mission. And we too are called to be bold like those early Christians. Uh, will we trust that God's spirit is with us and pray for boldness and opportunities to share Jesus with people? Uh, maybe even people from different nations here in Newcastle like that day of Pentecost. Uh, will we be willing to take risks for the gospel knowing that God is faithful? And uh, will we pray each day for opportunities before work or the school run or, or before seeing friends uh, and look out for the opportunities that God gives us. Uh, or maybe God is calling you to mission abroad. Maybe he's given you language skills uh, and that is something you need to think about. Uh, as we sit here this morning, we can celebrate uh, what God did back at Pentecost as he prepared the way for the, the news, the good news of Jesus to spread across the world. And we can celebrate that there are people here today uh, at our church family from many different nations and we are united by that good news of Jesus. Uh, we can be thankful for God's work at St. Joseph's and we can be thankful for his work down through the centuries that connects us to the early church. And we celebrate that God has been faithful to his church over the last 2,000 years. In many ways, we can see God's faithfulness even more than those early Christians, can't we? 
I mean, think how excited those guys would be uh, to see us sat here today. We have that same gospel that they have. Uh, We're to proclaim the gospel through the power of the Spirit to this area and to our nation. We can trust God. Uh, We can trust that the gospel is going forward. And we can take great confidence that what is happening here and in thousands of churches across the world is work empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Spirit is available to every type of person who calls on the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we're aware that we would be spiritually dead without your spirit, like those dry bones. So we thank you so much for sending your spirit, that first Pentecost, to bring life Thank you for that promise to send the Spirit. Uh, Thank you for the Spirit's work in each one of our lives. And we pray that you would give us great confidence to join with the early church in taking the gospel to our local area, to our friends, to all nations, knowing that we have the Spirit and knowing your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.